Chapter Six of the Armourer's Prentices. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Armourer's Prentices by Charlotte M. Young. Chapter Six: A Sunday in the City. The rod of heaven has touched them all the word from heaven is spoken rise shine and sing thou captive thrall are not thy fetters broken keble on sunday morning when the young birkenholtz awoke the whole air seemed full of bells from hundreds of church and minster steeples the dragon court wore a holiday air and there was no ring of hammers at the forges but the men who stood about were in holiday attire and the brothers assumed their best clothes breakfast was not a meal much accounted of it was reckoned effeminate to require more than two meals a day though just as in the verdurer's lodge at home there was a barrel of ale on tap with drinking horns beside it in the hall and on a small round table in the window a loaf of bread to which city luxury added a cheese and a jug containing sack with some silver cups beside it and a pitcher of fair water master headley with his mother and daughter was taking a morsel of these refections standing and in outdoor garments when the brothers appeared at about seven o'clock in the morning ha huh, that's well quoth he greeting them no slugger beds i see will ye come with us to hear mass at st faith's they agreed and master headley then told them that if they would tarry till the next day in searching out their uncle they could have the company of tibble steelman who had to see one of the captains of the guard about an alteration of his corslet and thus would have every opportunity of facilitating their inquiries for their uncle the mass was an ornate one though not more so than they were accustomed to at beaulieu ambrose had his book of devotions supplied by the good monks who had brought him up and old mrs headley carried something of the same kind but these did not necessarily follow the ritual and neither quiet nor attention was regarded as requisite in hearing mass dennet unchecked was exchanging flowers from her sunday posy with another little girl and with hooded fingers carrying on in all innocence the satirical pantomime of father francis and sister catherine and even master headley himself exchanged remarks with his friends and returned greetings from burgesses and their wives while the celebrant priest's voice droned on and the choir responded the peals of the organ in the minster above coming in at inappropriate moments for there they were in a different part of high mass using the liturgy peculiar to st paul's thinking of last week at beaulieu ambrose knelt meantime with his head buried in his hands in an absorption of feeling that was not perhaps wholly devout but which at any rate looked more like devotion than the demeanour of any one around when the ita misse est was pronounced and all rose up stephen touched him and he rose looking about bewildered so please you young sir i can show you another sort of thing by and by said in his ear tibble steelman who had come in late and marked his attitude 
They went up from St. Faith's in a flood of talk with all manner of people welcoming master Headley after his journey and thence came back to dinner which was set out in the hall very soon after their return from church quite guests enough were there on this occasion to fill all the chairs and master headley intimated to giles that he must begin his duties at table as an apprentice under the tuition of the senior a tall young fellow of nineteen by name edmund burgess he looked greatly injured and discomfited above all when he saw his two travelling companions seated at the table though far lower than the night before nor would he stir from where he was standing against the wall to do the slightest service although edmund admonished him sharply that unless he bestirred himself it would be the worse for him when the meal was over and grace had been said the boards were removed from their trestles and the elders drew round the small table at the window with a flagon of sack and a plate of wastel bread in their midst to continue their discussion of weighty town council matters every one was free to make holiday and edmund burgess good-naturedly invited the strangers to come to mile end where there was to be shooting at the butts and a match at singlestick was to come off between kit smallbones and another giant who was regarded as the champion of the brewer's craft stephen was nothing loath especially if he might take his own crossbow but ambrose never had much turn for these pastimes and was in no mood for them the familiar associations of the mass had brought the grief of orphanhood homelessness and uncertainty upon him with the more force his spirit yearned after his father and his heart was sick for his forest home moreover there was the duty incumbent on a good son of saying his prayers for the repose of his father's soul He hinted as much to Stephen who boy-like answered. Oh, we'll see to that when we get into my lord of York's house Masses must be plenty there and I must see smallbones floor the brewer Ambrose could trust his brother under the care of Edmund Burgess and resolved on a double amount of repetitions of the appointed intercessions for the departed he was watching the party of youths set off all except giles headley who sulkily refused the invitations betook himself to a window and sat drumming on the glass while ambrose stood leaning on the dragon balustrade with his eyes dreamily following the merry lads out at the gateway you are not for such gear sir said a voice at his ear and he saw the scathed face of tibble steelman beside him never greatly so tibble answered ambrose and my heart is too heavy for it now ay ay sir so i thought when i saw you in st faith's i have known what it was to lose a good father in my time ambrose held out his hand it was the first really sympathetic word he had heard since he had left nurse joan tis the week's mind of his burial he said half choked with tears where shall I find a quiet church where I may say his de profundis in peace? Mayhap, returned Tibble, the chapel in the Pardon churchyard would serve your turn. Tis not greatly resorted to when mass time is over, and there's no funeral in hand, and I often go there to read my book in quiet on a Sunday afternoon. And then, if tis your will, I will take you to what to my mind is the best healing for a sore heart nurse joan was wont to say the best for that was a sight of the true cross 
as she once beheld it at Holyrood Church at Southampton, said Ambrose. And so it is, lad, so it is, said Tibble, with a strange light on his distorted features. So they went forth together, while Giles again hugged himself in his doleful conceit, marvelling how a youth of birth and nurture could walk the streets on a Sunday with a scarecrow such as that. The hour was still early. There was a whole summer afternoon before them, and Tibble, seeing how much his young companion was struck with the grand vista of church towers and spires, gave him their names as they stood, though coupling them with short dry comments on the way in which their priests too often perverted them. The cheap was then still in great part an open space, where boys were playing, and a tumbler was attracting many spectators, while the ballad-singer of yesterday had again a large audience, who laughed loudly at every coarse jest broken upon mass-priests and friars. Ambrose was horrified at the stave that met his ears, and asked how such profanity could be allowed. Tibble shrugged his shoulders, and cited the old saying, The nearer the church, adding, Truth hath a voice, and will out. But surely this is not the truth. Tis mighty like it, sir, though it might be spoken in a more seemly fashion. What's this? demanded Ambrose. Tis a noble house. That's the bishop's palace, sir, a man that hath much to answer for. Liveth he so ill a life, then? Not so. He is no scandalous liver. But he would fain stifle all the voices that call for better things. Ay, you look back at yon balladmonger. Great folk despise the like of him, never guessing at the power there may be in such ribald stuff, while they would fain silence that which might turn men from their evil ways, while yet there is time. Tibble muttered this to himself, unheeded by Ambrose, and then, presently crossing the churchyard, where a grave was being filled up with numerous idle children around it he conducted the youth into a curious little chapel empty now but with the host enthroned above the altar and the trestles on which the bier had rested still standing in the narrow nave it was intensely still and cool a fit place indeed for ambrose filial devotions while tibble settled himself on the step took out a little black book and became absorbed Ambrose's Latin scholarship enabled him to comprehend the language of the round of devotions he was rehearsing for the benefit of his father's soul. But there was much repetition in them, and he had been so trained as to believe their correct recital was much more important than attention to their spirit, and thus, while his hands held his rosary, his eyes were fixed upon the walls, where was depicted the dance of death. A terrible repetition the artist had aimed at depicting every rank or class in life as alike the prey of the grisly phantom triple-crowned pope scarlet-hatted cardinal mitred prelate priests monks and friars of every degree emperors kings princes nobles knights squires yeomen every sort of trade soldiers of all kinds beggars even thieves and murderers and in like manner ladies of every degree from the queen and the abbess down to the starving beggar were each represented as grappled with and carried off by the crowned skeleton 
there was no truckling to greatness the bishop and abbot writhed and struggled in the grasp of death while the miser clutched at his gold as if there were some nuns and some poor ploughman who willingly clasped his bony fingers and obeyed his summons joyfully there were countesses and prioresses who tried to beat him off or implored him to wait the infant smiled in his arms but the middle-aged fought against his scythe the contemplation had a most depressing effect on the boy whose heart was still sore for his father after the sudden shock of such a loss the monotonous repetition of the snatching away of all alike in the midst of their characteristic worldly employments and the anguish and hopeless resistance of most of them struck him to the heart he moved between each bead to a fresh group staring at it with fixed gaze while his lips moved in the unconscious hope of something consoling till at last hearing some uncontrollable sobs tibble steelman rose and found him crouching rather than kneeling before the figure of an emaciated hermit who was greeting the summons of the king of terrors with crucifix pressed to his breast wrapped countenance and outstretched arms seeing only the angel who hovered above after some minutes of bitter weeping which choked his utterance ambrose feeling a friendly hand on his shoulder exclaimed in a voice broken by sobs oh tell me where may i go to become an anchorite there's no other safety i'll give all my portion and spend all my time in prayer for my father and the other poor souls in purgatory two centuries earlier nay even one ambrose would have been encouraged to follow out his purpose as it was tibble gave a little dry cough and said come along with me sir and i'll show you another sort of way i want no entertainment said ambrose i should feel only as if he pointing to the phantom were at hand clutching me with his deadly claw and he looked over his shoulder with a shudder there was a box by the door to receive alms for masses on behalf of the souls in purgatory and here he halted and felt for the pouch at his girdle to pour in all the contents but steelman said hold sir are you free to dispose of your brother's share you who are purse-bearer for both i would fain hold my brother to the only path of safety again tibble gave his dry cough but added he is not in the path of safety who bestows that which is not his own but is held in trust i were foully to blame if i let this grim portrayal so work on you as to lead you to beggar not only yourself but your brother with no consent of his for tibble was no impulsive italian but a sober-minded Englishman of sturdy good sense, and Ambrose was reasonable enough to listen and only drop in a few groats which he knew to be his own. At the same moment a church bell was heard, the tone of which Steelman evidently distinguished from all the others, and he led the way out of the pardon churchyard, over the space in front of St. Paul's. Many persons were taking the same route, citizens in gowns and gold or silver chains their wives in tall pointed hats craftsmen black-gowned scholarly men with fur caps 
and there was a much more scanty proportion of priests monks or friars than was usual in any popular assemblage many of the better class of women carried folding stools or had them carried by their servants as if they expected to sit and wait is there a procession toward or a relic to be displayed asked ambrose trying to recollect whose feast day it might be tibble screwed up his mouth in an extraordinary smile as he said relic quotha yea the soothest relic there be of the lord and master of us all methought the true cross was always displayed on the high altar said ambrose as all turned to the side aisle of the noble knave rather say hidden muttered tibble thou shalt have it displayed young sir but neither in wood nor gilded shrine see here he comes who setteth it forth from the choir came attended by half a dozen clergy a small pale man in the ordinary dress of a priest with a square cap on his head he looked spare sickly and wrinkled but the furrows traced lines of sweetness his mouth was wonderfully gentle and there was a keen brightness about his clear gray eye every one rose and made obeisance as he passed along to the stone stair leading to a pulpit projecting from one of the columns ambrose saw what was coming though he had only twice before heard preaching the children of the anti-reformation were not called upon to hear sermons and the few exhortations given in lent to the monks of beaulieu were so exclusively for the religious that seculars were not invited to them so that ambrose had only once heard a weary and heavy discourse there plentifully garnished with latin and once he had stood among the throng at a wake at millbrook and heard a begging friar recommend the purchase of briefs of indulgence and the daily repetition of the ave maria by a series of extraordinary miracles for the rescue of desperate sinners related so jocosely as to keep the crowd in a roar of laughter he had laughed with the rest but he could not imagine his guide with the stern grave eyebrows rhythm features and earnest ironical tone covering as even he could detect the deepest feeling enjoying such broad sallies as tickled the slow merriment of village clowns and forest deer stealers all stood for a moment while the paternoster was repeated then the owners of stools sat down on them some leant on adjacent pillars others curled themselves on the floor but most remained on their feet as unwilling to miss a word and of these was tibble steelman and his companion omnis qui facit peccatum servus est peccati followed by the rendering in english whosoever doeth sin is sin's bond thrall the words answered well to the ghastly delineations that seemed stamped on ambrose's brain and which followed him about into the nave so that he felt himself in the grasp of the cruel fiend and almost expected to feel the skeleton claw of death about to hand him over to torment he expected the consolation of hearing that a daily hail mary preserved in through the foulest life would obtain that beams should be arrested in their fall ships fail to sink cords to hang till such confession had been made 
as should ensure ultimate salvation after such a proportion of the flames of purgatory as masses and prayers might not mitigate but his attention was soon caught sinfulness stood before him not as the liability to penalty for transgressing an arbitrary rule but as a taint to the entire being mastering the will perverting the senses forging fetters out of habit so as to be a loathsome horror paralyzing and enchaining the whole being and making it into the likeness of him who brought sin and death into the world the horror seemed to grow on ambrose as his boyish faults and errors rushed on his mind and he felt pervaded by the contagion of pestilence abhorrent even to himself but behold what was he hearing now the bond's thrall abideth not in the house for ever but the son abideth ever si ergo filius liberavit very liberi eritus if the son should make you free then are ye free indeed and for the first time was the true liberty of the redeemed soul comprehensibly proclaimed to the young spirit that had begun to yearn for something beyond the outside light began to shine through the outward ordinances the church the world life and death were revealed as something absolutely new a redeeming cleansing sanctifying power was made known and seemed to inspire him with a new life joy and hope he was no longer feeling himself necessarily crushed by the fetters of death or only delivered from absolute peril by a mechanism that had lost its heart but he could enter into the glorious liberty of the sons of god in process of being saved not in sin but from sin it was an era in his life and tibble heard him sobbing but with very different sobs from those in the pardon chapel when it was over and the blessing given ambrose looked up from the hands which had covered his face with a new radiance in his eyes and drew a long breath tibble saw that he was like one in another world and gently led him away who is he what is he is he an angel from heaven demanded the boy a little wildly as they neared the southern door if an angel be a messenger of god i trow he is one said tibble but men call him dr collet he is dean of st paul's minster and dwelleth in the house you see below there and are such words as these to be heard every sunday on most sundays doth he preach here in the nave to all sorts of folk i must i must hear it again exclaimed ambrose ay ay said tibble regarding him with a well-pleased face you are one with whom it works every sunday repeated ambrose why do not all your master and all these people pointing to the holiday crowds going to and fro why do they not all come to listen master doth come by times said tibble in the tone of irony that was hard to understand he owneth the dean is a rare preacher ambrose did not try to understand he exclaimed again panting as if his thoughts were too strong for his words lo you that preacher dean do you call him putteth a soul into what hath hitherto been to me but a dead and empty framework tibble held out his hand almost unconsciously and ambrose pressed it 
man and boy alike they had felt the electric current of that truth which suppressed and ignored among man's inventions was coming as a new revelation to many and was already beginning to convulse the church and the world ambrose's mind was made up on one point whatever he did and wherever he went he felt the doctrine he had just heard as needful to him as vital air and he must be within reach of it this and not the hermit cell was what his instinct craved he had always been a studious scholarly boy supposed to be marked out for a clerical life because a book was more to him than a bow and he had been easily trained in good habits and practices of devotion but all in a childish manner without going beyond simple receptiveness until the experiences of the last week had made a man of him or more truly the pardon chapel and dean collett's sermon had made him a new being with the realities of the inner life opened before him his present feeling was relief from the hideous load he had felt while dwelling in the dance of death and therewith general goodwill to all men which found its first issue in compassion for giles headley whom he found on his return seated on the steps moody and miserable would that you had been with us said ambrose sitting down beside him on the step never have i heard such words as to-day i would not be seen in the street with that scarecrow murmured giles if my mother could have guessed that he was to be set over me i had never come here surely you knew that he was foreman yea but not that i should be under him i whom old giles vowed should be as his own son i that am to wed yon little brown moppet and be master here so forsooth he said now he treats me like any common low-bred prentice nay said ambrose and if you were his son he would still make you serve it's the way with all craftsmen yea and with gentlemen's sons also they must be pages and squires ere they can be knights it never was the way at home i was only bound prentice to my father for the name of the thing that i might have the freedom of the city and become head of our house but how could you be a wise master without learning the craft what a journeyman for demanded the lad had i known how giles headley meant to serve me he might have gone whistle for a husband for his wench i would have ridden in my lady salisbury's train you might have had a rougher usage there than here said ambrose master headley lays nothing on you but what he has himself proved i would i could see you make the best of so happy a home ay that's all very well for you who are certain of a great man's house would that i was certified that my brother would be as well off as you if you did but know it said ambrose ha here come the dishes tis supper time come on us unawares and stephen not returned from mile end punctuality was not however exacted on these summer sunday evenings when practice with the bow and other athletic sports were enjoyed by government and moreover the youths were with so trustworthy a member of the household as kit smallbones sundry city magnates had come to supper with master headley and whether it were the effect of ambrose counsel or of the example of a handsome lad who had come with his father one of the worshipful guild of merchant tailors 
Giles did vouchsafe to bestir himself in waiting and in consideration of the effort it must have cost him old mrs headley found her son did not take notice of his blunders but only dennet fell into a violent fit of laughter when he presented the stately alderman with a nutmeg under the impression that it was an overgrown peppercorn she suppressed her mirth as well as she could poor little thing for it was a great offence in good manners but she was detected and only child as she was the consequence was the being banished from the table and sent to bed but when after supper was over ambrose went out to see if there were any signs of the return of stephen and the rest he found the little maiden curled up in the gallery with her kitten in her arms nay she said in a spoilt child tone i'm not going to bed before my time for laughing at that great oaf nurse alice says he is to wed me but i won't have him i like the pretty boy who had the good dog and saved father and i like you master ambrose sit down by me and tell me the story over again and we shall see kit smallbones come home i know he'll have beaten the brewer's fellow before ambrose had decided whether thus far to abet rebellion she jumped up and cried oh i see kit he's got my ribbon he has won the match and down she rushed quite oblivious of her disgrace and ambrose presently saw her uplifted in kit smallbones's brawny arms to utter her congratulations stephen was equally excited his head was full of kit smallbones's exploits and of the marvels of the sports he had witnessed and joined in with fair success he had thought londoners poor effeminate creatures but he found that these youths preparing for the trained bands understood all sorts of martial exercises far better than any of his forest acquaintance save perhaps the hitting of a mark he was half wild with a boy's enthusiasm for kit smallbones and edmund burgess and when after eating the supper that had been reserved for the latecomers he and his brother repaired to their own chamber his tongue ran on in description of the feats he had witnessed and his hopes of emulating them since he understood that archbishop as was my lord of york there was a tilt-yard at york house ambrose equally full of his new feelings essayed to make his brother a sharer in them but stephen entirely failed to understand more than that his bookworm brother had heard something that delighted him in his own line of scholarship from which stephen had happily escaped a year ago End of chapter 6